Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. Our interview for last week ran into some technical difficulty, so we'll bring you that interview sometime in the next few weeks instead. This week, I want to talk about beliefs, because I think it ties in with chiropractic philosophy. Have you ever had a patient say to you, I believe in chiropractic? That statement really never sat right with me. Is chiropractic a religion? Is it something you believe in? It's not that beliefs aren't important, but what do we really mean when we say that we believe in something? This last weekend, I heard someone ask this important question. The question was, considering all the money printing that's taken place over the last few years and the inflation that must result as a consequence, do you believe that the price of gold will go up in the next few years? Now here's the really important question. Have you bought any gold? See, it's very easy to say that we believe in something, but just because you believe doesn't mean that you'll act on it. When I was a kid, most everyone believed that a seatbelt would save your life. Nonetheless, it wasn't uncommon for people to not wear them. As a kid, I remember riding in the back window, sitting on the floor, riding in the bed of the truck. Seems crazy now, but I would have told you that I believed in seatbelts. I just wasn't wearing one. A patient might tell you that they believe in chiropractic, but at the first sign of the sniffles, they're off to go get antibiotics. But I thought they believed in chiropractic. Sometimes it's necessary to define the limitations of their belief. I have to ask you this obvious question. Do you believe in chiropractic? I think we all know the right answer is yes, but what do you really mean by that? In the late 90s, there was a chiropractor, many of you would probably know the name if I said it, who was relating a story about when their child was very young. They were out of town and their wife called because the child was in distress and their lips were turning blue. This chiropractor called another chiropractor that they knew and said, go to my house and adjust my baby's atlas. And he told them the listing. The other doctor gave a little pushback, like, shouldn't we call 911? No, he said. Go to my house and fix the atlas. Well, the reluctant doctor did as he was told, and, the, and following the adjustment, the baby immediately returned to normal. At this time, I was still a student, but I remember asking myself, do I believe in chiropractic like that? One thing I can say about my belief in chiropractic is that over the years, it's only grown. This growth is the direct result of things I've seen. Often when I expected chiropractic to come up short, but I gave my best effort and I was shocked by the results. We're often blown away by the dramatic changes in severe symptoms, like a bowel that starts working again or hormones that normalize after years of dysfunction. But what about the hundredth time that a migraine headache goes away? Or another kid that has ear infections disappear. The parents are in disbelief, but you're nearly bored because you've seen it so many times you take it for granted. You might feel bad that you take it for granted, but that's an indication of just how high your belief really is. Imagine if you took every condition that walks in the door for granted in the same way. I guess what I'm saying is that we shouldn't feel bad when we take it for granted that we can help a patient completely resolve their symptoms. Rather, that's what we should aspire to, not out of cockiness or false bravado, but just because we've seen it so many times that we know it's going to happen. If we go back to the patient that says the, they believe in chiropractic, where does this belief come from? It comes from their own experience with just one patient, themselves. Our belief should be so much greater than theirs, simply because we've seen it so many more times in so many different people. Yet many of them will boast of their belief, 
in spite of how limited their experience really is. Do you ever boast of your belief? And then we come back to where we started. Just because we have belief doesn't mean that we're actually going to act on it. The very same thing is true of our patients. Sometimes our patients make choices that cause us to question whether or not they understand chiropractic at all. That really shouldn't be the case. Just because someone has belief doesn't mean they will choose to act in accordance with that belief. And if someone acts in unbelief, it doesn't actually mean that they lack belief. When you think about it, there's often a huge gap between what we say we believe and what we actually do believe. This gap shows up in many different areas of our life. It shouldn't be a surprise that it would show up here as well. A belief is something we assert to be true, even if we can't prove it. This is why some of our beliefs are true, and some are not. I think this is why that statement, I believe in chiropractic, bothers me so much. Chiropractic really shouldn't be a belief, because a belief lacks the underlying substance to prove its truth. My confidence in chiropractic is built on experience and understanding. It's not a blind belief that I just take on faith. I don't have blind belief that a chair will hold me, but my belief comes from witnessing chairs holding people all day long. Also, my belief in chairs could be easily altered if I was faced with a chair that lacked the basic structure and components to hold a person up. Again, it's not a blind faith or an unsupported belief. Most of our beliefs are simply the result of holding a thought long enough for it to become a belief. This says nothing of whether or not the belief is based on something true or of any substance. What's even worse is that a belief is often an excuse to hold an opinion while absolving yourself of the need to defend that opinion with actual facts. I was once talking to a patient and I was explaining to her the immune pathway that is created by a vaccine and how it's different from the immune pathway that's created by the wild virus and why that makes a difference. Her response to me was, well, not everybody believes the way that you do. I thought, wait a second, you just took everything I told you and when you realized you couldn't refute it, you simply reduced it to a belief as though it was my emotional support animal. So my response was, I guess that's true. Not everybody believes in science and physiology because not everyone can comprehend or understand science and physiology. This is one of the reasons why I don't like the whole belief train of thought, because it's basically a logical fallacy, as it gives you permission to believe whatever you want, and you can even defy logic with no regard for truth, and you don't have to defend it. I say this because in the chiropractic realm, you will find that many of our principles are applied to us as beliefs. For example, they will say that chiropractors believe in subluxation. By reducing it to a belief, they're not only implying that we're unwilling to defend our position, but that we are unable to defend our position. What may not be quite as obvious is that by using this tactic, our detractors put themselves in a position where they don't have to defend their position either. It's just assumed that they're right. I don't know if you've ever read the Wikipedia entry for chiropractic, and I certainly don't recommend that you do, but it is one of the most poorly defended pieces of propaganda I have ever read. I know most people won't bother to read the reference section, but if you do, you will find it to be a cherry-picked embarrassment of opinion pieces, but not any actual research. Chiropractic is referred to as esoteric and pseudoscientific, but do they have to defend those labels? Of course not. So while accusing chiropractors of being obsessed with belief, they simply expound their own beliefs and absolve themselves of any responsibility to defend it. This phenomenon is ex the exact reason why I bring up this topic. It's not okay to simply accept the label of belief, but we need to move past belief and replace it with knowledge and understanding. At the same time, we need to expose some common beliefs that defy the current science. 
Most doctors give vaccines because they believe in them. Nothing more and nothing less. Most spinal surgeons do laminectomies, discectomies, infusions because they believe in them. Oh sure, they can cite the research in general terms, like there's a ton of research that supports this, without referencing any actual research. I call that the Anthony Fauci approach to research because I've never heard him cite any actual study. But I digress. There's still another aspect to belief. Belief is an action verb, not a state of being verb. In other words, I don't believe in the chair simply because I say I do. I believe in the chair when I cross the point of no return and I commit to sitting in it. A person doesn't believe in chiropractic simply because they say they do. They believe in chiropractic when they are fully committed to relying on chiropractic to cure what ails them, so to speak. The point being, if you really want to know what someone believes, you have to watch what they do. And that often means ignoring what they say. I can't tell you how many times I've had patients tell me that they believe in chiropractic only to finish the story by making it very clear, by their actions, that they do not. I'm not saying that as a criticism or an insult, but simply to highlight that it tends to be human nature to have a gap between what we say we believe and what we actually do. A wise person recognizes this gap, and that helps them to avoid being fooled by someone who is well-intentioned. Over my career, I found that most of the time, when what people say and what they do don't match, it's not because they're being malevolent, but they're actually well-intentioned. That fact only makes it worse, because when a person is well-intentioned, it makes you want to believe them, and you tend to overlook the discrepancy between what they do and what they say. As we've already discussed, this is unwise. So I'm always mindful of what my patients say they believe and what their actions say they believe. I use this information to know how best to move them forward in their thinking. When they tell me what they believe, they're telling me what they want to believe. They want to believe it so badly that they think they already do believe it. If that's where they want to be, then I know where I need to go from where their actions say they really are. This leads us into the topic of chiropractic philosophy. Another way you can say that is a chiropractic worldview. Once that thought of a chiropractic worldview entered my head, I thought it was an interesting idea worth pursuing. Many years ago, I used to teach a class on worldviews, so I already knew that there are 10 categories that make up a worldview. I knew that chiropractic speaks to several of them, but I didn't know if it spoke to all of them. As a quick introduction to worldviews, it's important to understand that everybody has one, even if you think you don't. The problem is, that if you don't know what your worldview is and you haven't thought through the options, then it's probably something you inherited from other people speaking into your life. The problem with that is that in these 12 categories, your chosen beliefs may not be consistent with one another. In fact, they might be a direct contradiction. Can you imagine how depressed a person would become if they are trying to live by concepts that violate one another? It's not the only reason, but this must contribute to the fact that depression and addiction to antidepressant drugs is in an all-time high. So let's begin with the 12 categories. They are theology, philosophy, ethics, biology, psychology, sociology, law, politics, economics, and history. So let's begin with theology. Every worldview has a theology, even yours. You might say, but I'm an atheist. That's still a theology. In fact, it's the theology of both secularism and Marxism. So this got me thinking, does chiropractic philosophy espouse a particular view of theology? Well, the very concepts of universal intelligence and innate intelligence speak to the concept of the existence of God, but at the very least, the concept of special creation by intelligent design. In chiropractic, this is mostly just a preconceived assumption, but it's still foundational to everything that comes after. 
Even as a student, I immediately recognized that medicine is atheistic, but chiropractic is not. Or as I told one of my friends at that time, chiropractic assumes as self-evident that there is a God, but then leaves it to you to figure out who that God is and what is expected of you. So in this category, I would have to say, yes, chiropractic has a theology and it's monotheistic. The next category is philosophy. The main choices here are between materialism or dialectic materialism, if you're a Marxist, and dualism. Materialism is the idea that what physically exists in the material world is all that there is. This is the concept embraced by secularists, which should be self-evident and come as no surprise. The other option is dualism, and that's the concept that mind and body are related and interconnected, yet wholly separate and distinct from one another. This view is embraced by both Christians and Muslims. Another option, embraced by postmodernism, is anti-realism. This is the idea that reality is an illusion, and the only truth is based on our perception and experience of reality. You can see a fair amount of this in our society as well. Again, the concepts of universal and innate intelligence, as well as thought being one of the causes of subluxation, leads me to conclude that chiropractic has embraced a dualistic philosophy. The next category is ethics. The secularism of our society teaches moral relativism. This is the concept that there is no absolute morality, but morality is fluid, kind of like gender. Sorry, I had to say it that way, so you can see how fluid morality leads to fluid everything. When I think of chiropractic, I immediately think of both Jim Parker and Sid Williams. They both taught to serve as a chiropractor with unconditional love toward all our patients. Well, if this is the chiropractic ethic, and Aristotle said, you can't have a philosophy without an ethic, then this is an ethic called agape. Agape comes from the fact that the Greeks had four words for love, unlike the measly one word we have in English. So, in English, my love for my wife and kids is the same as my love for my dogs and even tacos. It's kind of pathetic. But the Greeks fixed that. And agape love is unconditional love toward all humans that expects nothing in return and always strives for the highest good of each individual. I don't know about you, but that's what I've always been taught in chiropractic. So, I'm going to say that agape is the ethic of the chiropractic worldview. The next category is biology. Certainly, chiropractic has something to say on this topic. So the question here is whether we support Darwinism, neo-Darwinism, punctuated equilibrium, which is a form of evolution adopted by the Marxists in the Communist Manifesto, or do we believe in intelligent design or special creation, as the Christians and the Muslims would call it? As I mentioned earlier, in the theology section, I don't see any support for evolution in any of the green books, and I actually see several arguments in favor of intelligent design. I think that intelligent design is the biology of the chiropractic worldview. And if you're a Christian or a Muslim, then that's still consistent with your view of special creation. So there's no conflict there at all. I think the only view that will cause you some trouble in this area is neo-Darwinism. It's going to take a lot of work and creativity to merge neo-Darwinism and chiropractic philosophy. And this contradiction could create trouble when trying to express a cohesive worldview. The next category is psychology. Here we have to choose between monism and dualism. Monism is the idea that the mind and the brain are the same thing, meaning that every thought has a physical or material origin. Dualism, in contrast, is the idea that the mind consists of much more than the brain. This immediately carries with it the connotation that the mind exists, at least partially, beyond the boundaries of the physical universe, a sort of window into another dimension, if you will. It seems to me that both Didi and BJ, along with many of the early chiropractors, would have chosen dualism, 
Some of the more recent chiropractors, especially those of the mixer persuasion and probably more bent towards atheism, would be inclined to choose monism. I feel that this category is probably where chiropractors deviate the most, with both thought camps represented with large numbers. However, this is the area most likely to create an inconsistency that will lead to an inconsistent philosophy. You can choose what you will, but I would caution you to choose wisely. Sociology is our next category. Sociology offers many choices, so I won't go through them all. Secularism, the worldview of our modern society, believes in personal autonomy. This is the concept that I have the right to do as I will, and you're not allowed to say or force me to do otherwise, even in matters of morality. The end of that statement gives away the hidden flaw in the system. You see, this view expressed in regards to abortion, as those in favor will say, it's a woman's right to choose, and they mean without argument, including the moral argument, biological argument, and psychological argument. Personal autonomy seems great on its surface, but it begins to break down rather quickly when it's put into practice. I don't see any support for this viewpoint in any of the green books or any of the early chiropractic teachings. A better concept is called sphere sovereignty, although it's somewhat difficult to explain. It's the idea that life consists of different sectors or spheres. Each sphere comes with its own responsibilities, authority, and competence, and all spheres are equal. In this way, we establish a body of knowledge and principles, the rules, if you will. Each person gains mastery by operating within the rules to gain the competence. In this way, the fear is established and we gain mastery within it, rather than establishing ourselves as the rule and declaring perfection, whether it's working for us or not. That's the fundamental difference between sphere sovereignty and personal autonomy. Again, you can choose what you will, but I find sphere sovereignty to be most consistent with what I've seen in chiropractic. The next category is law. If you've listened to me much, you have no doubt heard me speak about natural law. I firmly believe that natural law is the best lens for viewing the world, but especially chiropractic. Natural law is the idea that actions have known and predictable consequences, such that if the consequences are known, then the proper action is easy to determine. It also allows you to look at the consequences and know which decision or action was the wrong one, thereby leading to efficient learning. Our secular society, however, practices legal positivism. This is a concept that I personally think is idiotic, but let me try to explain it. Legal positivism teaches that the value of the law is in the written law, and these laws are written with no regard for merit. This is why politicians tend to believe that every law they create is just magnificent because the value of the law is in the law itself, even when the consequences are devastating and horrific. They attempt to write these laws based on what they observe to be human nature or societal tendencies, even though these politicians rarely observe reality and most of their impressions are merely figments of their imagination. Again, chiropractic offers no definitive viewpoint in this area of the law, but I obviously favor natural law. The next category is politics. I'm sure you can guess on the front end that chiropractic has no definitive politics, but it's worth exploring anyway. Secular society adheres to the, the politic of progressivism. Progressivism is the belief that people in government can bring about answers to social problems and inequalities. Personally, I've been around long enough that I can say I have rarely seen people in government do anything other than make things worse. It never made sense to me to think that a collection of people who won a popularity contest will lead to a mastermind to solve the world's problems. It seems to me the exact opposite is far more likely to happen, 
and experience proves that that's mostly true. Personally, I prefer the idea of subsidiarity. This is the idea that government power should reside at the lowest feasible level. In other words, cities should have the most power to determine how they live, states should have less power, and the federal government should have the least power of all. You can see how these two options are diametrically opposed. And this is the ongoing battle between those who want to put more power in the hands of the federal government and those who have put it with the people, the lowest level of all, and the level where all power really should reside. Again, chiropractic has nothing to say in this area, so choose what you wish. It won't affect your philosophy. The next to last category is economics. Our society practices economic interventionism. It's an economic policy position that favors government intervention in the market process with the intention of correcting market failures and promoting general welfare. Although, in its current state, we often see that it merely chooses the winners and losers based on its own self-interest. This is a horribly flawed system, although those who run and benefit from it will never admit it. In contrast, I would recommend the view of stewardship, which I do see represented in early chiropractic writings. This is the concept that we are owners of nothing, but we merely serve as managers of that which has been placed in our trust. The formal view consists of four parts. These are ownership, responsibility, accountability, and reward. While all humans are flawed, this view of economics is the one most likely to bring out the best in each individual. Finally, we have history. The secular view is that of social progress. This is the idea that societies improve in all areas over time as a process of learning from previous generations. On its surface, this might seem reasonable. However, it very subtly implies that every society at that given moment is the best society that has ever existed. More to the point, no society can ever be wrong regardless of what decision they make about anything. It's completely illogical, even on its face, yet many people do ascribe to this view because they're unaware of its implication or its alternatives. Personally, I like the redemptive narrative, and I do see it represented in chiropractic. Even by its name, you can recognize that societies are going to make mistakes and do horrible things, but we learn from these mistakes, we set things right, and we vow to never let it happen again. In some ways, the correction of a subluxation leading to the restoration of normal function is the perfect redemption narrative. Chiropractic does not have an explicit view on this topic, but I do like the redemption narrative, especially for the sake of teaching chiropractic philosophy. You can see that chiropractic is not a complete worldview, yet it has at least half of the components that would make it a worldview. If you struggle to teach chiropractic philosophy to others, it may very well be because there's an inconsistency in your own worldview. In fact, your personal worldview might be contradictory or simply incompatible with the chiropractic worldview. It shouldn't be hard to figure out that until these differences are reconciled, you're going to struggle to present a cohesive view of chiropractic philosophy. I think that one of the common mistakes is thinking that beliefs regarding worldview are like a buffet, where we can just saddle up and choose whatever looks good to us at the moment. I don't see it that way. I see it more like a multiple choice test, and the question is, which of these options most resembles reality? The idea of choice is merely an illusion. You can choose any answer you want, but if you choose incorrectly, things will not go well for you. So, in reality, there's only one choice. You just have to be attentive enough to figure out which one it is. I know that beliefs are a touchy subject, so I thank you for sticking with me through it all. It's something most people never really think seriously about. While I have countless hours of material on this subject, I've attempted to streamline it here, and I hope I've not done you a disservice by doing that. 
Hopefully I've given you something to work with and I've inspired you to take some time to think about what you believe and is it compatible with what chiropractic teaches. This next weekend is the Gonstead Extravaganza and I look forward to seeing many of you there. It'll be the debut of the Gonstead documentary so you won't want to miss that. For those who are arriving early, I'm putting together something for Friday night. I'll post details on Facebook later this week. As always, I hope you have the very best week possible. I'll see you again next time.